You are listening to the Ingenious Podcast, where God's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by the Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message. Tuesday, we started talking about pathways to gateways, and we were considering this theme, pathways to gateways under the activities of the temple. Before we go on to today, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about more of the implications of the activities of the temple and how we can relate to it in our time. Because we are living in a day that a generation is crying for an experience with God. We are living in a time where many people claim that church is boring but my hope is that as we go through these teachings the holy spirit is going to renew our minds and bring us to a place where we can appreciate what the temple is now on tuesday i did say that there uh, when we talk about the temple technically it's the structure that solomon built is the structure that was rebuilt that we call the second temple And it is also the structure that Herod built. That is what we call Herod's temple. It also refers to the structure that Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel's vision spanning from chapter 42 to 48, technically 47. All these can be referred to as temple because it deals with a physical building. However, there are also other types of structures that were built because we did say that the purpose of a temple is to host and to house God. So we realize that there is the tabernacle of Moses, which is also called the tent of meeting. We also have what's called the, uh, the tabernacle of David. Then we have the most important temple, which is the temple of the human body, which we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, particularly when we look at verses 19 and 20. Then also, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when we look at verse 16 downwards. So you realize that these are all temples, but I'm saying that for the purpose of simplicity and the purpose of keeping our minds not distracted, we are going to refer to all these structures as the temple. However, in making reference to all these structures as a temple also, what we want to do is that we want to separate this temple into two broad categories. That is, the first one is going to be called the tent of meeting, just like what we used to call the the tabernacle of Moses, the tent of meeting. Then we are going to have um, the dwelling place. This is not um, a categorization that the Bible emphatically says it is a categorization I have personally made based on the studies I've done to simplify what we are learning so that it becomes easy to follow. Now, we say that the meeting place refers to the physical structure where believers gather to worship God, knowing that his presence is there. Now, the dwelling place refers to the human body where the Bible says that he will, when we read John's Gospel, chapter 14, he says that, and I will abide in you or I will live in you and you will live in me. He says that he will put his spirit in us. So when we talk about the dwelling place, I am talking about the spirit indwelling man. And when I talk about the meeting place, 
I am talking about the place where believers gather knowing that it is a ground dedicated to God. Now, the meeting place is very important in the sense that the Bible says that we should not forsake the gathering of believers. That is meeting place. It is important place is constructed on a sacred ground, on a holy ground. Now, we say that a sacred ground is a ground that has been possessed by God, that has been possessed by God. Or a, a sacred ground is a place that God has personally declared ownership of. Now, it is important in that sacred ground to raise an altar. The altar is what will open the gateway because an altar is for invocation and invitation. It is what will invite the spirit or the deity in the other realm to be able to enter the realm of man. The network. It is important in every sacred ground to have an altar because the altar is what opens the gateway. Now, yesterday we did talk about the, the activities that are held in the temple and we tried to use the 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 plan the the lead plan of the tabernacle of moses to show it and when we looked at the plan we saw that there are there are various points in the journey because god the space of god that is the territory of god is walled it is walled and you realize that the wall itself that is the dots all the dots you see are the walls now everything outside the wall is not secret everything beyond the wall is not secret everything within the confines of the wall it is secret so when you want to enter into the territory of god you always have to come through the east you always have to come through the east now the east as we saw is the entrance and, and that is why I'm thinking about it today. You realize that it is very interesting. When the Muslims are praying, what did they do? They bowed their heads facing the east. And I, I don't know about other practices, but I'm believing that other practices, especially in terms of magic and all those things, will also face the east when they want to do something. So there is something particular about direction direction right there's something particular about direction now remember what we are also saying before i start today's lesson is that god will require us to keep the meet the requirements for the meeting place and the dwelling place in order to have the the optimal or the maximum experience from him we need both of these requirements, the requirement for the meeting place and the dwelling place to experience God to the maximum. And that is why on Tuesday I was saying that it is an error for anybody who feels offended in the meeting place to say that now I will no longer go to the meeting place to encounter God because God is worshipped in the heart. Yes, God is worshipped in the heart but according to the template of God, we need both the meeting place and the dwelling place. It is important that we remember these things. So we see that when we go through the gate, we see first the bronze altar, 
then after that we see the bronze lever then we see also the real tabernacle which is built that is where the priests are, are, are allowed to enter to encounter god then when we enter through the veil on our right we are going to see the table of showbread on our left we are going to see the branched lampstand when we go further to the place where just before we get into the holies of holies there is what we call the altar of incense and that is where the priests used to stay make intercession it is alleged once again it is alleged according to the rabbinical writings that the priest could not enter into the place where the ark of covenant was until his prayers were 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 accepted by god now Today, what I want to do is I want to draw your attention to the practicality of the things that we were talking about. I am saying that there is a process to coming into the meeting place of God. Now, you have to understand that the moment we enter into the territory of God, that is, the moment we enter into that world space, you realize that there are only two, three gates. They are all facing one direction they are all pointing towards one direction. That direction is the west. Anybody that enters through the first gate, their desire is that by the time that they are done, whatever it is that brought them through the gate, it must get to the west point. So we are moving from the east to the west. I don't know. I've forgotten my sign, but the sun rises from the east and sets in the west so at the end of the day whenever you enter into that territory you realize that all your attention is to get to the west point you want to be where god is you want to be where the ark of covenant is because you see every sacrifice that is going on the bronze altar it is to it, it is it is useless if it the the, the smell of it doesn't get to the holies of holies the the when we wash ourselves at the bronze lever to cleanse ourselves if god does not accept our cleansing then it is a pointless act so you realize that from the gate of the entrance of the outer court to the holies of holies there is a reminder of direction there is a reminder of direction. Now, remember, we are talking about the pathway to gateways. It means that every time that we come into the presence of God, there must be direction. Everything that we are doing is supposed to point towards a direction. That direction has never been man. You know, the church was built for man, we say, but no, a church is never built for man. A temple is never built for man. We have said it here. A temple is built for a deity. A temple is built to host a deity. A temple is built to house a deity. A temple has never been the resting place of man. A temple has always been the resting place of deity, of divinity, of God. And so now that we have constructed the temple, the moment we come into the territory of the temple, everything that has to do with man has to go away. You see, in the temple, all the requirements, 
all the activities that are carried out in the temple, it is not for man. It is performed by man unto God. The direction is unto God. It is, it is unidirectional. We are living in a time where things that are being done in the temple of God is bidirectional. It's bidirectional. You see, the focus when you come, before, before you appreciate what I'm saying, you have to understand the fear that the priest entered that space with. You see, we are living in a time where God is not severe. And that is what the work of Christ has done. We are living in a time that we don't experience the severity of God. Because you see, in the days before the appearing of the Christ, man was directly dealing with the Father. I want you to understand that the Father has not changed. His position on issues has not changed. His point of view, his perspective, his stance on issues it has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the work of Christ. The work of Christ has made us not to deal with the Father directly. So in everything, the Father goes through Christ to us and we go through Christ to the Father. Because you see, now remember um, on Tuesday when we were reading Numbers chapter, um, was it Numbers chapter 18? I believe it. No, it wasn't. Yes, Numbers chapter 18. When he was talking about the duties of the priest, you realize that God was very specific about who should appear before him. Then we also, when we read the text in, I believe, um, is it um, Leviticus, where um, Nadab and Abihu offered a strange fire, the Bible says that the Lord killed them. So, Remember, it says that Exodus, um, Numbers chapter 18, verse 1 says that the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity connected to the sanctuary. So it means that everything that went wrong in the temple service, God says to Aaron and his sons, I will hold you responsible. And he says that you and your sons shall bear the iniquity connected with your priesthood. So, the, 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 their role as people chosen by God to stand in his presence implies that if they mess up in his temple, God was going to deal with them. And we saw how he was going to deal with them when he dealt with Nadab and Abihu. Leviticus chapter 10 verse 1. He says that when they took the censer and they took it and offered an authorized fire before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded them, uh, fire, um, verse 2, verse 2, he says that fire came out of the presence of God and devoured them. And fire came out from, out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. So you see, what I'm saying is that it was dangerous those times to come into the presence of God. It, it was not an activity you undertook lightly because it was a matter of life and death. 
Anybody before Jesus that approached the Father did so with fear and trembling. You had to come sanctified. You had to come purified. Any mistake. Now, I want you to understand that whatever Nadab and Abihu did, they did not do out of malice. I am sure that it's just like the example that we see when the Ark of Covenant was being transported by David back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that they put the Ark of Covenant on a cart. Now remember, the Ark of Covenant was never supposed to be carried on a cart. That is why God instructed that when you build the Ark, give it poles so that it will be carried on the shoulders of the Levite. But instead of carrying the Ark, they decided to put it in a cart that was pulled by a bull or a cow. And the Bible says that as they were going and Uzzah felt that the, the cow had passed in a place and because of that, the cat was turning. So he attempted to straighten the Ark of Covenant. The Bible says, and the Lord struck him. And when the Lord struck him, the Bible says that David feared for his life. And that is when he went to leave the, the Ark in the house of Obed-Edom. And after three months, when he heard that God was blessing the house of Obed-Edom too much, he went back for the ark. But this time around, he carried the ark in the proper way. There is always a proper way to approach. And so whenever we enter through the gate, one of the things that the activities in the temple does is that it is supposed to conscientize us about the direction of our worship why are you offering your sacrifices is it because now remember if you read um numbers chapter 18 and deuteronomy uh, sorry and and the book of exodus especially when you start reading about the uh, who should receive the offerings in the in the temple you realize that the bible says that Everything that was in the temple was supposed to be for Aaron and his sons. It was supposed. It is. It is. The Bible uses this word. It is God's contribution to them for choosing the priesthood. So when you come into the temple, it is easy to say that this cow that I'm taking to the temple, these lazy people, they are going to eat it. This money I'm taking to the temple, this this. Um, greedy people they will use it they will misuse it they will buy luxurious things for themselves but when we look at the activities of the temple it is supposed to point us towards the west the west is the position of the ark of the covenant it is the place where the throne of god is it is the place where the mercy seat can be found and so If you don't build yourself when you come to the temple, if you don't train your spirit to always respond to God, that everything that you do, whether it is a service, whether it is a song, whether it is a clap, whether it is a jump, whether it is a praise, whether it is about giving monies, whether it is about donating things to the church of God, to the house of God, whether it is about supporting projects in the church, if you don't conscientize your spirit man, to always know that whatever you are doing is unto God, 
you will miss you will miss the point of the activity you will miss the point of the activity everything is supposed to lead us to the throne so i want you to remember that all attention also as soon as a person enters must be the desire towards the holies of holies you see when you are in the outer court the moment you enter the dotted places the moment you enter that big outer court when you come through the gate you have not seen god therefore when you come through the territory and you enter into the sacred ground your desire must be to encounter the one who is in the holies of holies it must be to encounter the one who is there you see so one first of all you are being conscientized about your direction it means that every step that you take it must take you closer to the ark of the covenant every step that you take it must it, it must take you to the throne room that is where god dwells in the third chamber that is where he is when you come through the gate you are in the first court the first court is the outer court it is a common ground though it is sacred nobody has an experience of god there the offerings and the washings you don't know if it is accepted until you come to the holies of holies and so you have to understand that your attention the moment you come into the temple must be to encounter the one who dwells in the holies of holies the beautiful thing about this story is this in the book of hebrews chapter 4 the bible says that we should approach that throne with all boldness why should we approach that throne because the dividing veil according to the test according to the gospel is no longer there the dividing veil that prevented us from entering into the holies of holies or even beholding the ark of covenant when we entered through the veil into the sanctuary proper the bible says that when christ died on the cross the veil was torn from top to bottom everything opening up the place where god dwells but you see many of us we are in church but the truth of of it is that though we are in the temple the activities are not geared towards us encountering the one who sits on the throne i have i i have not grown much but i have sat in some meetings with pastors youth ministries organizations and i can tell you this that sometimes we get so distracted we get so distracted about getting numbers into the temple that we lose the fact that every activity that is prepared in the temple must lead people to the one who sits on the throne it must lead the people to encounter for themselves the one who sits on the throne now when we read exodus chapter 25 the holy spirit is drawing my attention to something there when we read exodus 25 the lord asks for a contribution towards the building of his house the people gave they gave they gave they gave so much that moses had to stop them from giving but you see that was not the desire of god for their lives the desire of god was not that the desire of god for them was for them to meet him to encounter him 
But the Bible says that when Moses set the tent of meeting outside, the cloud came, but the people stood by their door. I'm trying to find a scripture to read. I'm coming. Whilst I look for the scripture, let's continue on this discussion. So our attention must be to meet. Now, when Israel was in the desert, you have to understand that God wanted to be among his people, to dwell with them. But the Bible says that whenever God came down, came down to meet the people, the people did not want to meet God. So they stood by their tent and watched Moses go and meet God. The people stood by their tents and watched Moses. Exodus 33. Let's go to Exodus 33. Let's start from verse... I'm trying to pick the story from somewhere where it will make sense. Let's start from verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. Now listen. He said that what? Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord will go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. What am I trying to say? When the journey began and God was trying to introduce his people to himself, he wanted the people to know that he must be desired. That is why the Bible says that those who diligently seek him, they will find him. Moses could have easily pitched the tent where Israel was. But the Bible says that he pitched it in a place that was far from the camp. So it means that to go and call it the tent of meeting. So it means that if you as an individual, you wanted to meet God, it was going to take an effort on your part. You would have to rise up from your bed. You would have to wash yourself. You would have to put on clothes. You would have to put on your shoes or your sandals. Then you have to embrace or put yourself at the mercy of the element. And go on a walk. Go on a journey to go and meet God. It is to tell God that I don't care where you are. As long as you are there, I will take every journey to encounter you. We are living in a day where people say that church is too far. (laughs) People don't like to journey to meet God again. And so they say that, oh, the church, I have to to pick a vehicle and I have to sit in the vehicle for 30 minutes, one hour. Uh, It's too far. I can't go. So I will do Zoom church. Oh, child of God. Child of God. The tent of meeting was always pitched outside the camp. But you see, the interesting thing is in the verse, in the subsequent verse. He said that whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people will rise up and each will stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. The tent was for the people to go and meet God, but the people felt that it was too far. Also, they always waited for Moses. That is why most of us, we are so dependent on our pastors on our prophets, on our women of God, on our men of God. We have become so lazy to the point that we have refused to journey ourselves to the place where we can encounter God. God has provided a place for us to come and meet him. 
it is called a meeting place. Yet the only person that is always present, desiring, doing all he or she can to be where God is, is the priest. The people like to stand by the adults and watch as the priest enters. But you see, our life has become troublesome, difficult, because we have refused to encounter God for ourselves. We have refused to go on that journey. We have refused, and you see, it is, it is, this, it is the same thing that happened with Israel that is happening in our time. Because you see, the place where the throne is is called Holies of Holies. The place where the mercy seat is called the Holies of Holies. Everything about the sacred territory of God is called holy. It is called pure. It is called righteous. We are not willing to take on this nature to come into his presence. Can you imagine people saying that, I want to keep fornicating, but as for you, when you pray, God hears you. So when you are praying, please remember me in your prayer. What happened to your mouth? What happened to your mouth? What happened to you desiring to be in his presence? The tent of meeting was provided so that you and I, we will be in his presence. You ask people to fast so that God can help them in a situation. You ask them two days later, did you do the fast? He said, I was busy. Pastor, you know I am busy. Man of God, you know I am busy. Well, keep being busy because one of these days, your busyness will lead you to hell. And when you get to hell, when God does not know your name, you realize that it was a mistake. It was a mistake. So that is the other thing about temple activities. It is supposed to cause you and I to desire to be in the presence of God. What did David say? David said that one thing I have desired of the Lord, that is the one thing I asked for, that I would dwell in the, in, in the presence of God, in the house of God, to behold the beauties of the Lord. What does he mean to behold the beauties? He is talking about the exuding glory that emanates out of the throne room. Isaiah saw it in Isaiah 6 and he said that, when I saw it, I said, I am undone. Because what did he see? He says that his train filled the temple. The place when he spoke was filled with smoke. He said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and I saw the seraphim above his throne, and they looking down upon him from the throne. All they did was cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavens and the earth, they are full of your glory. So you see, David said, I want to be in the house of the Lord to behold the beauties there is a beauty that you and I are missing out on because we have refused to move towards the west. We have come to the east gate. We are standing in the east gate, but we are refusing to enter into the east gate. Some people have also entered through the east gate, but they are standing in the outer court. Their desire is that, let me just stay here where they are slaughtering the animals so that I will get food to eat. So what does it mean? It means that many people are in the presence of God because they are looking for food to eat. They want to eat the, the, the sheep that is being offered on the altar. They are there because they need marriage. They are there because 
they need breakthrough they are there because they need healing they are there because they need breakthrough they they, they are transacting with god in the outer court you see the, the story is told of Jesus in the Gospels. He says that he enters into the temple and in the outer court, what did he find? He find that the place had become a commercial center. There was buying and selling in the outer court. And the Bible says that Jesus at that time made a whip and caned the people. That is how temple activities in the 21st century looks like. It looks like we are in the marketplace. What can I get for God? So we are selling blessings. We are selling miracles. Not only are we selling you, the, the congregant who is in the church is trying to manipulate the man of God, the woman of God, to say what God is not saying. Giving, say, comes to you, said, I come to church. Said, when I come to church, what will God do for me? Well, when you come to church, what God will do for you is that he will save you and keep you out of hell. And he will teach you his ways so that you can be with him forever. He says, no, I don't want that. I, 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 I want to go to America. I want to go to Canada. Can God give me favor for visa? Absolute madness in the temple today because we have, we have built temple activities to center around man, not to lead people to God. What is the third thing? The third thing is that now we are talking about the implications of what we talked about on tuesday the other thing is that you realize that the activities are arranged in such a way to remind us that the appearing before the holy god of israel is not a thing to be taken lightly you cannot be careless and approach him you cannot be careless performing your duty we've read leviticus chapter 10 we are living in a day where the activities in the temple are arranged carelessly. What do I mean by carelessly? They are carelessly because they are not being done according to the prescription of the Spirit. Everything that we see Moses do, he is doing because the Spirit instructed him to do. I'm not saying that we are supposed to build our church and organize temple activities as was done in the days of Moses. I'm not asking anybody to go and sacrifice a goat, a ram, a bull, or anything, no. But I am saying that when we look at the template, we can learn lessons. And one of the lessons is that coming before God is not a thing to be taken lightly. Have you seen how praise and worship is done in our day? We are in church on Sunday and somebody is leading worship. And some somebody has the audacity to feel that he is so touched by the song that he goes to stand where the person is singing and they begin to spray money on the person. Are you mad? Is that an entertainment center? You are spraying money on somebody who is supposed to lead you into his presence. What the person is supposed to do is to, is to use that activity of singing and worshiping to help you and I to get into the holies of holies where we can see God on his throne. But it has become entertainment. So careless. We dress anyhow. We talk anyhow. We are so careless in church. We are so careless in church. You see, the reason why a lot of us don't like this kind of teaching is that they say that we are in the era of grace. Yes, we are in the era of grace. But do you know what? 
There is so much foolishness in our hearts that we don't want to let go of our foolishness. We, 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 don't, want to, we don't want to know the power of God. See, this afternoon I was meditating and the Holy Spirit was asking, was asking me a question. He was saying that, can you meet somebody who is in quote, somebody that we respect as a, in quote, a gospel worshiper. Let me not use a singer, a gospel worshiper. And we feel that this person is so anointed. And the Lord was asking me that, do you think that if I appear to this person and say that for the next two years, don't hold a microphone. I want you to fast half the time in every month. That means that if we have 30 days in a month, I want you to fast 15 days in every month for the next two years before you hold a microphone. How many of them do you think can do that? And that is when you realize that the reason why we want to hold a microphone is because we are looking for fame. It's because we want to be popular. It's because we want to be invited to places. We are so careless. You see, and the, the carelessness, the, the one that um, I believe is even more troubling, the carelessness is that we are careless with the word of God. You, you will meet a Christian who will come to church and they will tell him that. The Lord is telling us to tell you that tomorrow don't go anywhere. Stay in the house. You said, I have to go to work. And they will leave the house and they will go and die. You tell people that the Lord wants you to fast for three days. He wants you to start tomorrow. He said, oh, can I start next week? <laughs> we are so careless with the word of God. Have you met a, fet- a, a f- traditional worshiper who is a CEO? Whose, whose fetish priest has told him that today don't go to work and you say that, I have to go to work. Do you think it will happen? It is only in the house of God that Christians take the instructions of the Spirit for granted. Because appearing before God is not an easy task, that is why the Bible says that we must be holy for God is holy. To encounter God or to experience the power of God in his meeting place we must strictly adhere to the requirement of holiness. We, we, we haven't talked about the dwelling place, and we are going to talk about it sometime. I don't know exactly when, I, when the Spirit tells me we are done with the meeting place. We will move to the dwelling place, and we are going to talk about the human as the temple. But just to mention this, you realize that every activity was done by a Levite. Now, remember, we said that the Levites are the direct children of Aaron. Everybody that was connected to Aaron, these are the only ones who were allowed to be priests. One of the things that the priest wore was what we call the Mata, M-I-T-R-E. And what it means, what they had written on it was holiness unto God. God is clearly telling us that anybody who wants to encounter him must be holy. Now, let, don't get it wrong. Holiness is not about you stopping, lying, stealing. Holiness has nothing to do with sin. If you are joining us, I want you to understand that holy, for the first time, holiness has nothing to do with sin. Holiness is just God possessing something and that thing being clearly given to God as a possession. That is what holiness is all about. And that is why we have holy ground, holy spoons, holy utensils, holy shields. A shield cannot sin. The ground cannot sin. 
a mountain cannot sin. But all these things the Lord says are holy unto him. Why? Because all these things have been given unto God. So it means that if we are coming to perform any activity in the temple, we must be totally given unto God. That is why Romans chapter 12 is important. Presenting ourselves a living sacrifice. You must, we must be wholly given unto him. That is what holiness is all about. The uncommonness is about we standing with God, being found in God, being identified with God, being declared for God. That is what our uncommonness stems out of. And that is why anybody, uh, I, I'll, I'll talk about that. I'll talk about, I don't, I don't want to say what I, I was about to say. The, the last thing I want to say is that every activity in the temple is prepared in such a way to conscientize us about the state to appear before God. When you come through the gates, the first thing you see is the altar of sacrifice. It is where we offer sins to find atonement for sins, to, to, to find forgiveness of sins, to, to be cleansed, the, the bronze liver where we, we, we are washed with the water to purify ourselves, uh, the incense, the anointing oil, all these things are to tell us about the state. See, many years ago when we were in church, they used to tell us how to do church service. The church service was, you thank God, you ask for forgiveness of sins. <laughs> Then they say you do praise and worship, then the church service. But you see, we are not supposed to come to the meeting place to ask for forgiveness. Because from your house, you should know that where you are coming is holy. Coming to the place to meet God tells you that. Now remember, a time came in the life of Israel where Israel says that Moses, we also want to meet God for ourselves. God, What did God say? If you want to meet me, then for the next three days, sanctify yourself. And I, you should read what they did to sanctify them. Don't sleep with your wife for three days. Uh, you, 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 you cannot have your period for three days. <laughs> you have to eat a particular food for three days. Then after that, they say that when they are coming before God, to, if anybody touches anything on the mountain, they will die. <laughs> And when God appeared, the Bible says that it was with so much thunderings and lightnings and fire that the people begged Moses that Moses be back. Please, go, go and listen for us. This time when we come, we will listen. You should be mindful of appearing before God. See, the reason why people dress anyhow, the people why people say whatever they want to say. In Sometimes, I used to, I used to go to a church eh, where I used to sit. There were some... There were some Rich, wealthy, influential men that used to sit on that pew. I am telling you, the kinds of things that they talked about in church, it is not, it is as if God does not exist in church. <laughs> Every activity in the temple is supposed to make us mindful of the way we appear before God. And the, the only requirement in appearing before God is be holy. Holiness is the requirement. The singing must be holy. The dressing must be holy. The talking must be holy. The thinking must be holy. The relationship must be holy. When you are coming before God, whatever the sweeping in the house, 
people are sweeping the house of God. They always, I, I, even ushers nowadays, they don't clean their chairs well because they see they don't pay them well. <laughs> you must, you must be holy. Your mindset must be that when I come into the meeting, that's not the place where I'm coming to act. So I remember one day I was leading opening, they, we call it opening prayer. I was leading opening prayer in church. And I mean, when I, when I lead opening prayer, we, you will never pray to ask forgiveness of sins. I, I will never lead. If, if you don't do that from your house and you, we are continuing. So I finished and I handed the mark over. Then somebody prominent in the church, one of the elders in the church, the, you know, the woman that had been in the church for long, approached me and said that, man of God, the next time that you are leading us for opening prayer, you have to let us ask for forgiveness of sins. Because, you know, when you are coming, you don't know the sin that somebody has done. So when you ask then, I just looked at her and I said, I have heard you. The next time I was leading, we did not ask for forgiveness of sins. And I told the church, if you don't know that you are coming before God, and if you, if you don't understand that God is holy, and because of that, sin cannot come into his presence, and you are waiting to come into his presence before you ask for forgiveness of sin, you will die. And when you die, we will go and bury you. Somebody is arguing in the house. Then he tells the neighbor he is arguing with that, wait, I'm going to church. When I come back, we will continue with this fight. <laughs> <laughs> wow amazing amazing we don't understand temple and so you see and so we come to church and we are praying and we are fasting but there are no miracles there are no signs and wonders the, we, we are not experiencing the fire of his presence and we are asking ourselves why the reason is simple the reason is because Temple activities are not treated with the reverence that it should be treated with. Our approach to the service of God is too lackadaisical. Does it apply to online services? Of course it applies to online services. Somebody says he won't go to church on Sunday. He will fellowship with the church via Zoom. But as they are doing church service, she's in the kitchen cooking. How are you in church if you are cooking in the kitchen? Now, what we are doing is, this is called teaching lessons. This one, we permit you to be everywhere and learn. But I am talking about the meeting place. For us as believers, this is our Sunday. It is the prayer meeting in church. It is the Bible study in church. You cannot take these things lightly. If you are far away and you want to fellowship with your church, that is also far away via some technological means do whatever they are doing in the church in your house treat yourself in the house you know some people say they are going to church on sunday via zoom they don't even dress they are in their boxer shorts they are in their nightgowns <laughs> deceiving the pastor some people only wear shirts <laughs> goodness people of god we need to change this year is about the restoration of the temple it's about the restoration of the temple there is only one direction in the temple. It is from the east to the west. The rising and the setting of the sun must be unto our God. On the song we sing. So from the east to the west, that must be our desire when we are about to have any meeting in church. We must not be pleased with saying that I am a member of this church. 
I am a member of this fellowship. I listen to the Ingenious Podcast. The Ingenious Podcast is not God's uh, ticket to heaven. No. Christ is that ticket. You must have Christ. So your, your attitude, your behavior, your posture, when you are in the temple, and when you any activity that is organized, that is prepared in the temple, it must point you towards that direction. It must lead you to Christ. It must lead you to his throne. It must lead you to knowing him. It must, you see, in the temple, there's only one person whose opinion matters. That is God. Every sacrifice that was offered, every prayer that was offered, there was only one person whose opinion mattered concerning these activities, and that is God. And so every activity in the temple, the only person whose true opinion you must seek must not be your pastor, must not be your fellowship leader. It must be God. It must be Christ. It must be the Holy Spirit. If God tells you that what you are doing is okay, your pastor might not agree. Your cell leader must, might not agree. Even the person who converted you to Christianity might not agree. But if God says that I agree, that is the only opinion that you need. In the temple, there is only one voice that is to be honored, that is to be heard, that is to be respected, and that is the voice of God. And so every activity must be such that we will hear from him. If you've been a Christian for five years, six years, three years, two years, and and you are still saying that I cannot hear God, check your attitude towards temple activities. Just check your attitude. I can tell you. I can tell you. Now, last week, one of the things I didn't say is this. In the temple, we have... There's the, the altar of sacrifice. We have the place for the purifying. We have the place for the lighting of the, of, of the branch lampstand. We have the place for the bread and the wine. We have the place for prayer. That is the altar of incense. It is for prayer and intercession. The other thing that we have in our time is in, 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 we have the, the time for the reading of the word of God. The teaching of the word of God. All these things are supposed to help us encounter the one who sits on the mercy seat. I don't want you to be so excited and say that, oh, he's a great teacher. At the end of this teaching, did this teaching stir you up to know the one who sits on the throne? Because if it didn't happen, then there's nothing like a great teaching. It was never a great teaching. If after this teaching, you are not stirred up to pray and to seek God more, then it wasn't a great teaching. In the season of restorations, we are trying to recover all these lost truths as we saw in Jeremiah the other time when he says that we are supposed to recover these ancient things, the, the road to the ancient path. When our attitude towards temple activities are in its proper place, then we are, we are, as we are, we are, we have not set out on the on the journey. We we are just telling you that the activity is the pathway. We haven't talked about the pathway itself. We have just told you that the activity is the pathway. 
next week we are going to talk about the pathway when we begin to do these things what happens in our lives that's what we will talk about next week so we are going to continue with the lessons next week tuesday let me know. people of god listen to me the lord loves us our church services is not supposed to be as we are experiencing it haven't you read the book of acts chapter number four what happened when the believers met the bible says that the place was once again shaking uh, and they were filled with boldness in Acts chapter 5 we are told that when an is it uh, let me be sure ananias and sapphira, sapphira is it is it Acts chapter 5 but it says that when they lied the spirit corrected them the spirit took action the meeting place is a place where the spirit takes action Acts chapter 5 the meeting place is where the spirit takes action it is where the power of the spirit is put on display the meeting place is the place where god displays his majesty you see it's all about the ark of covenant it's all about the throne of god it's all about the one that is seated on the throne and the moment we get that preparation right and we let him know that our our coming here you are the focus then you will realize that something will begin to happen in our meetings when we hold our hands in prayer and we we and we come to the place where we understand that we but jesus also wants to take over territories so lord as i am praying i am more concerned with jesus taking over territories than me taking a car you see i have to talk about the the theme or or or, or the motto of the network one of these days especially the tent dwelling aspect of it because ingenious network is all about raising undisputed champions we are all about raising mighty redeemers and also tent dwellers what do i mean undisputed champions because wherever these people go in the name of jesus the uh, luke's gospel chapter 10 they say that and the 70 returned and they said master even the demons are subject to us in your name and jesus said behold i saw satan fall like lightning you see when we understand what we are doing wherever we go jesus will win he will win every battle we will never lose any battle it's about redemption it's our ability to redeem it's about coming into his presence being empowered so that we can enter into the dark places and to snatch the book of says that, that we will snatch them out of the fire we are supposed to come into his presence to receive this empowerment to go and bring liberty Jesus said, the Bible says that Jesus took the scroll and opened to the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and the Lord God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to bind those who are brokenhearted, to open the prison doors of those who are bound. When this becomes our desire and we understand that God wants this more than 
anything else. He says that seek the kingdom and its righteousness. Then all the other things we so desire will be added. It will be added. Time has proven it time and time again. It has been proven that anybody that makes God's focus, his focus, doesn't need to think about what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, where to sleep. The Lord always provides. People of God, God is fearsome. I know that many of you, because of Jesus, when I say that, it doesn't even register. One of the things I always tell people is that I am afraid of God. (laughs) God scares me, but thank God for Jesus. I, I thank the Father for Jesus. It's because of Jesus that I am able to come before the Father not afraid because I am always in Christ. He cannot be angry with Jesus. <laughs> he cannot be. He cannot say that I, I will slap you, Jesus. <laughs> but if I come before him myself, he will look at me and say, if you don't disappear, I will, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I will cut you into two. But we thank God for Jesus. God is fearsome. You know, Apostle Paul said something the other time. He said that, know the severity of God. A lot of people don't know. And it's made us very, very, very lazy. This evening we are praying. We are asking God. I don't know what your attitude towards church, church service. Um, A lot of people go for church service. They don't go for evening prayer meetings in church. A lot of people go for prayer meetings in church. They don't go for Bible studies in church. What is your attitude towards activities in God's meeting place? I want you to pray and ask God for strength. In this new year, 2023, we are in the season of restoration. God has the ability to give us back whatever it is that we have lost. But his requirement is that we take the things that are being done in his house very seriously. The prayer, the giving, the cleaning, the purification, the helping, the exhortations, the teachings, all these things. It must be holy. We must be holy because He is holy. We must come to His house prepared. God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes. <laughs>